1: Good morning, it is Wednesday, July the 25th, oh see I have six on here, but you're right, thank you Miranda. Um, I am your host today, Pam Marvin, our producer today is Thaddeus, good morning Thaddeus.
0: Good morning, Pam, and let our listeners know who our guest is. Of in the course, studio I
1: this am. That's next, you're rushing
0: okay, me. Okay, sorry, sorry. Me. So this
1: morning I have joining me my dear, sweet, precious friend Miranda mm-hmm. Wolichowski.
2: Thank you. Good morning. Good
1: morning. It's nice to see her face. It makes me very happy. Likewise. Um, anytime I get to spend time with her, um, as some of you that if you know us or if not, if you're new, uh, Miranda and I spend a lot of time together. Um, have been working on this little pesky thing called root sin. Uh, We feel like it's a gateway to um, knowing ourselves better and learning how to get to our root woundedness. And we're going to be talking about that later on in the show here in the next uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes. But before that, we have some things around town that we want to talk about a little bit. But Thaddeus, first of all, you had something you wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah, before I get there, I want to say hello to all of our local Brazos Valley listeners on 88.5 FM KEDC and our Lorena Waco listeners up there on KYAR 98.3 and finally our dear listeners down in Palestine 107.9 FM thank you all for listening and as some of you may know, today is the 50th anniversary. This is the day of the promulgation of Pope Paul VI's encyclical, Humanae Vitae, on human life. There's mm. going to be a lot of discussion of that in the Catholic media world. Already has been this month, already this week, and the rest of this week. But I want to just point the, uh, our listeners to two local programs that we created Uh Touching specifically on that 50th anniversary, go back, to, go to our website, uh, RedSeaRadio.org, and check out the roundup episode from the beginning of this month. Uh, Deacon Mike did a his show, digging into the document and talking about the historical um, context for its reception, and just gave a nice uh, overview of Humanitae. And then uh, just yesterday. Monica Ashour was on Mystery of Parenthood talking about connections between Humanae Vitae and Pope John Paul's Theology of the Body. Excellent. So that'll be on cord on Saturday at 8 a.m., and then subsequently will be available via podcast on our website. That's and awesome. You can, uh, and you can also get that through all those shows, Roundup and Mystery of Parenthood. You can get all those past episodes uh, via iTunes, If you have a podcast app on your phone or Google Play, if you do an Android device and you have a podcast.
1: All um, right. So I'm, you I'm can really going to get into
0: those shows on our Red Sea Radio app too. Yeah, I'm
1: going to plug for the most downloaded of the Red Sea Radio so we can get like this little healthy competition going with some of the the co-hosts. So I'm going to challenge my other hosts of Red Sea Roundup, Gene Wilhelm, Deacon Mike, Judy Como. Let's get our shows really going and let's see how many downloads we can get and let's have this healthy competition of the most downloaded show. I think right now By what G-
0: and when's the end date? When are we going to take the I don't tally? Know.
1: Um, that's up to you. But I know right now, Judy's in first place with Father Jared's, and I'm in second with with uh, father, uh, Sister Rafael's on justice. So we'll see. Mm. Haven't checked it lately to Sounds see. Sounds like
0: the guys need to step up.
1: Uh, yeah, man. What's going on with that? Anyway, so also, you know, Humani Vitae is near and dear to my heart, being a fertility care practitioner here yes. locally. Um, I've learned so much. And also being a convert to the faith you know, that's one of the big questions converts always ask is like, what's the deal with the birth control thing? What's the big deal? You know, why did the church believe what it believes? And I, too, was just like that. Um, unfortunately, I got a little bit of a poor formation in my marriage prep class before I was Catholic where it was like, just follow your conscience, which, as we know, is kind of an error now. Um so I didn't really know. So I was a bank's blank slate. But being an intellectually curious person, I thought, well, why does a church believe what they believe? And um, so a few years into our mom, yeah, just a couple of years into our marriage, what did I do? I picked up a pamphlet written by Dr. Janet Smith on Humani Vitae. And it was basically her kind of talk, talking about the main points of Humani Vitae. And we picked that up in the in the parish chapel of St. Thomas Aquinas. I'll never forget this because it was a very big turning point in our marital life. Um, Read the document, saw all the prophetic things it had uh, mentioned in it. Um, And that was back in, gosh, that was in the early nineties. I read that. And even more. That's when you were a
0: teenager. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. I was a teenager. And that was the early nineties. And um, there's more of the prophetic stuff that's really come to fruition. Unfortunately, the objectification of women that we see with uh, pornography and the Me Too movement and things like this, all these things were foretold in this document. So it's very prophetic.
0: Um, The state insisting on a certain uh, regime of uh, fertility.
1: Right. But you know, one of the things that's said in there that still really that 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 applies to my practice and I use it is when I say my practice, I mean, with my fertility care that I use and talk about a lot. And that is in humani Vitae, Pope Paul VI said that young people, due to the energy and energetics and the hormones going on in their bodies need a natural regulation of their impulses, which the natural ebb and flow of the woman's fertility is a natural built-in type of necessity to restrain. So you take that restraint away, you're taking a restrain away, and you can see how that's really come to fruition. So when I'm Teaching and coaching um, my couples, we talk about that. And just as a side note, I've I've had some couples that I've watched who were had they've contracepted for a long time, say between eight and ten years, um, but they're ready to start their family, and they're not so sure about this whole contraception. They're ready to get rid of hormones and things like that. That is, I'm telling you, I have seen their relationships start to just change and it's such a beautiful dynamic. You know, we say in the model, it increases the dignity and appreciation for one another. It increases communication and that's all true. But I'm telling you, I have seen that bloom in my practice from couples who adore one another to begin with, but the way they care and there's a a tenderness that comes in when you start using natural family planning again, because of that natural ebb and flow of of the chastity, um, and not there's that natural rhythm to it, that no pun intended on the rhythm thing, though. No, because <laughs> oh, which I want to say during this, this is NFP week, too, by the way, because it is the NFP oh, yeah, cool. yeah, so I, one of the things I want to let everybody know that the, the terminology is changing a little bit, we are not just saying NFP anymore for natural fertility.
0: Natural, natural family, family natural planning. Natural family
1: planning. Yes. Thank you for correcting me. Um, we It's kind of changing to fertility awareness-based methods because there are so many methods out there. I, you know, had no idea until I got into this field. Um, but even though there's a top three, 12, 20, there's like 50, 60 different types of fertility awareness-based methods, folks, they are not all created equal, do your homework, okay? Do your homework. Some are much more scientifically backed up than others, um, and I want to just encourage you to really look into that closely and see what As a fits.
0: practitioner, can you recommend the top three, which, which in your expertise are the, the best three?
1: Actually, I know, well, I'm partial. I always, I like kind of shy away from that a little bit because I'm where really biased. Start? Well, I, for me, the Creighton model. Okay, Creighton so model. Crayton model. Okay. Now, Symptothermal, there's a, there's quite a few different ones out there, and I don't honestly know enough about those better ones, the Symptothermal, that um, to be able to talk intelligently, but there are some that are better than others.
0: Okay, but there's a Creighton model. There's a Symptothermal model that then has a lot of different kind of organizations that practice it or give different variations on it right yes so those are two so those are those two are, models those
1: are two of the the most widespread i'd say Symptothermal okay. thermal and creighton okay um there's a lot of stuff coming out with apps and you
0: abs apps oh apps, apps for your phone like there's something a, like you for me uh, yeah. up your abs or oh, that something reminds <laughs> me. yeah yeah okay
1: like there i there's so I'm I'm getting questions all the time about, because there's something new on the market all the time about fertility awareness-based methods. But what I can tell you from my personal is that if you're not looking at biomarkers, the woman's biomarkers, you're probably not on the right track. It can't just be algorithm on an app, as far as I'm concerned, right? You have to be watching for the algorithm, oh, excuse me, the biomarkers, because the woman's body can change at any time. An
0: algorithm on an app sounds like a just more sophisticated rhythm method. I don't. I, yeah,
1: I mean, it starts to like it's smart, kind of like artificial intelligent, where after the woman tracks for a while, it predicts what's going to happen. Whereas biomarkers are prospective. You know, it's like it's just in the day, day by day by day, right, and I think right. that's how you have to do it. But I mean, I'm willing. If anybody wants to call in today and talk about <laughs> fertility awareness, I am happy you're to answer saying, questions. As an
0: expert, you're recommending. Don't just jump right on the bandwagon with the, with the apps. Oh, uh, yes. Do more study Definitely. up on them. Learn these more established methods so you have something to judge the maybe what, how the apps right. function against it.
1: Do your homework. Do your homework. Go and look and see what's best and right for you and your family. This is both to men and women, I'm saying. You know, these couples, do what's the best for your family. Because
0: right. this is science. This yeah. is biology. <laughs> this is chemistry. It is. It is. We're talking about. And it's here.
1: been so, it's been so awesome for me just to um, be able to teach the science because there's a lot of that's not being taught like it should be today. So, um, yeah, you can. Most people listening they know how to contact me. They can get me through the station if they want to hear any more or have. Um, go find an introductory session. St. Mary's here yeah. offers an intro session if yeah. you're just interested to find out. The basics. Come and learn about it. Do your homework again. Um, also, you can go to the Diocese of Austin website and marriage prep, and they have three yeah. that they recommend, I believe. And I couldn't. I'm sorry that I can't name them. I know Creighton's one of them, and Sipton-Thermal's another, but I'm not sure what the third one is again. Okay. Um, so yeah, I would really see.
0: encourage people to give the mystery of parenthood episode that I mentioned a listen because this is unscripted. Monica Ashour speaks directly to what you just mentioned in an anecdotal sense. She talked about how Pope John Paul II articulated that— Six. six. No, Pope John Paul II articulated oh. what you're talking about in Theology of the Body, that couples are missing out on the personal encounter with the other— when they opt for contraception right it's not just the unitive and the procreative aspects of um human sexuality it's this personal knowing of the other in a in a deep deep real way right. that happens right and she she says that he's kind of developing dogma there that Needs to still be. Well, let me just. Ex- but anyway, it's it's a very fascinating discussion. And uh, oh, I'm looking forward to it. There's, there's, there's more to thinking it. Thinking yeah. that backs up your anecdotal absolutely. experience.
1: A- absolutely. And, and then one other thing I want to add on to that is. So what the, the one word you. I think you did use it, too, is um, true intimacy is something our culture is really missing now. And when I say true intimacy, I am not necessarily talking about. The sexual experience right. or the um, the act, the carnal act, right? Um, and that's why we're having these... In, uh, this is my little culture watcher person, but a lot of experts will back me up too. That's why you're seeing a lot of suicide rates go up too. That mm-hmm. lack of deep human connection and, mm-hmm. and, you know, to me, it's like all these... Depression and
0: anxiety too. Yes, yeah, the
1: social media, the gaming and all that kind of stuff is taking people away. So that face-to-face... Beautiful, deep conversations is a big part of it. Human tenderness is a huge part of our, our personal experience outside of the marital act, you know, and we're, we're missing that now because our faces are a lot of times on the, on the screens or going other places. Going, yeah, I was places. going somewhere else. I know. We were like, this is motorcycle like <laughs> ripped out there. I was like, Whoa. what is that? Uh, but yes, that's all. It all interplays with our overall emotional health, which kind of gives me to what we're talking about a little bit today with Miranda is not just an emotional health. But the theme f- I've had going this year is um, human maturity. And we're having to fight harder for that because we're lacking true intimacy. And when I say that, when I say that about true intimacy, I mean that true, deep, meaningful conversations where you're looking people in the eye and you're really having that connection. And, and, and back to the NFP side of it too, the one thing when you are contracepting in any, any kind of way, hormonal or barrier or anything like that, it's just saying, you know what, I'm going to give you most of myself, but I'm not giving you all myself. I'm going to hold a little bit back for me because I'm not too sure. And it's different. It's just different. So when you're giving your full 100%, you're all in, you're committing. Um, That's what that says. When you use natural family planning, it's like you're just an all in robustly giving yourself to another, which we're afraid of these days. Let's be honest. There's a lot of fear there.
0: But we don't want on a, to take it to a different topic because we're, we're wrapping up our time here this morning. Speaking of being all in, we want y'all to be all in to Red Sea Catholic Radio by helping us continue to fight the battle of uh, drawing down our monthly deficit. We have now got it down through the generosity of our listeners, like you, to $2,500 dollars monthly deficit operating expenses. We still need to take it down to settle, zero, nada, Mm. nothing. We'll get there with your help. We envision, you know, how about $125 a month uh, donors? Boom, take care of it. Are you one of those $25 a month monthly donors? Now, Pam, you talked about challenging the hosts. Now, last week, Judy Como was on the air, and on the air, she said she was going to up her monthly donation to the radio station. Wow. uh, Putting her money where her mouth is. That's
1: great. Paul's in charge of that for us. I know she's (laughs) challenging me. I'm like, I have no clue. I I really have no clue.
0: Oh, okay. Anyway, but yeah, we love that kind of uh, – just furious, uh, just giving, giving it uh, your all the way that Judy displayed on the on the air. That was really generous of her. I want to compliment her again for doing that. Thank you so much. And we know that all of you out there listening are making that same kind of, you know, uh, generous, selfless uh, decision in the moment to to commit to what you hear on these airwaves to uh, help us mature in what we're doing for um, the Brazos Valley community, for the Waco community, for Palestine, to help you bridge that gap between Sunday to Sunday and continue to grow and build your faith by listening to the programming that we provide for you. And if you think that it's making a difference in your life, if you think it's making you a better uh, ambassador for the faith, a better evangelist, um, please think about becoming a monthly donor and you can participate by keeping us on the air in that new evangelization that's been called for by St. Pope John Paul II. So with that in mind, uh, anything else around the community that you want to touch on, or do you want to give people You got about a minute, Pam—a little preview of what you and Miranda are going to talk about before we go to break?
1: Yes, to all of the above. Actually, I I was looking at St. Joseph does such a great um, job of um, kind of putting out what's kind of going on in the area. So we're getting to go back to school, too. So y'all be aware of that. Keep all these kids and teachers in your prayers. And I can see that the Elizabeth House has saved the date, September 20th. Awesome. August 18th, Women's Day of Reflection. Mary, the Transparency of God, a Women's Day of Reflection. It will be held Saturday, August the 18th at St. Thomas Aquinas. Look at that. And there was something else on here I saw that I thought was pretty cool. Oh yeah, the Catholic Women's Conference. The third annual Catholic Women's Conference, Generation to Generation. Saturday, September the 8th. Yep. All these things really great. Oh, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't say there's a lot of EIM stuff going on in the in the community right now. Uh, it's coming up. If it Folks, you know that if you are to volunteer in and around um, any of the vulnerable here in in the Catholic Church, then you need to take the EIM uh, ministry training. So for more information about that, you can always go to the Diocese of Austin website or contact us. Until then, though, after the break, Miranda and I are going to be talking to you about how you can transform your sin into holiness. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back. Uh, if you're just now tuning in, you are listening to Red Sea Roundup here in the Brazos Valley. We're on ky- KYAR. We're on Red Sea KEDC and the Palestine. Give me those call letters one more time.
0: K-I-N-F. K-I-N-F. 107.9 we need to have that. Palestine.
1: We need to have that on the... Uh, on the sheet over here. So we can say them with confidence. And you don't
0: have those memorized yet? Oh, him?
1: I should. You know, memorization is one of those things that's kind of going away because we don't have to do because our smartphones are making mm-hmm. us dumber.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you want to give people the number that they can call if they want to insert themselves into the conversation? I that would you and love
1: that. It, yes. Right Miranda um, and I, again, will be talking about root sin. So all things root sin, woundedness and healing is actually going to be more of our... Um, our topic today, this is the second part of a two-part series that we've worked on for this year. And if you'd like to call with any of your questions, please call 855-683-7332. And again, that's five love red sea if that's a little bit easier to remember. And I just want to thank Miranda again for making time in your very busy schedule. You do so much. I'm happy to be here, Pam. Are thank you. you. So yes. are you teaching this summer?
2: I did. I taught a foundations and coaching course um, for graduate students early summer. And right now, no, I'm just getting ready for the semester and, you know, getting a lot of projects in in order and aligned as well. Yeah. Before all of that hits.
1: Okay. So, Miranda is a life coach. She's PhD in educational psychology. Yeah. And you teach, there's something more you do with the principals. Tell me about that.
2: Yes. Well, I do um, coaching, leadership coaching and personal development coaching. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a program for uh, principals in schools, pre-K through 12, where they mastermind, do coaching and get consulting. And. Um, that's kind of like my big exciting project, and this is year two of it, and it's growing. That's and, um, awesome. I love the results I'm seeing um, that principals are achieving. So
1: Yeah, and then she has me poking at her all the time going, let's work on
2: Roots Yes. In. We need to work on Roots in. <laughs> it's and It's all integrated. It's,
1: it is. It all does work together hand in hand. Um, well, I'm so glad that we get to talk about this again today. Uh, you and I want to kind of go over a little bit of... A review from last time, you know, to get people up to speed on, you know, root sin in five five minutes or less. Yes. <laughs> what is root sin and why do we need to know about it? You want to start there?
2: Yes, absolutely. So the fi- foundation of root sin is um, looking at our sin tendencies in three ways. And so the brain loves things that are in threes and it's very easy to process information that way. And that's why this aligns so beautiful. And the biblical reference for this is Matthew Um, where Jesus is tempted um, in the desert. And, of course, it's important to note that his temptation, unlike ours, was not internal. His temptation was external. But yet, through that experience, um, we are able to see how temptation happens to us, both internally and externally. Um, And if you recall that scripture, you know, there is a part where the devil tempts Jesus and says, you know, if you are who you say you are, then turn these stones into bread— and that act of wanting to, to do something to satisfy, um, I guess, corporal needs um, relies more along the lines of sensuality. And so we'll cover you know, how that plays. So, of course, it doesn't mean nutrition or something like that is sinful. Um, but when things become disordered in that realm, then when it has to do with physical comfort, um, with bodily comfort and needs um, and it's unrestrained, then that's when it leads to sensuality, the root sin of sensuality. And then we have the second part of that temptation experience where he's told, if you are who you are, then go to the highest mountain and throw yourself and the angels will catch you. And that aligns with the root sin of pride, which is, um, C.S. Lewis says, it's the pride that made the devil the devil. And um, in that is pride means that we're tempting Christ, Uh, we're tempting God, and that we feel that we are above all things are all others. And so, an inordinate amount of pride um, leads to a sinful tendency. And then the third one is um, where he tempts Jesus externally by saying, If you bow down, you know, all the kingdoms will be yours. And that aligns with the root sin of vanity. Uh, so, wanting to be seen as more, um, wanting the praises and accolades of others, and just kind of self elevating. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and that need, that inordinate need for that then leads to the root sin of vanity. And one of the things that we talk about is that we all have and manifest these on a daily basis. However, we have a tendency towards one sometimes more than the others. One tends to dominate, um, and they can evolve throughout our life, but usually you can pinpoint something that is prevalent in your life. And what's interesting is it can usually be traced back to something that happened in childhood. and Or there could be another traumatic experience maybe in um as a teenager or a young adult, but most of the times they can be traced to something, a lie that we bought, um, something that we perceived in a certain way, and we've spent our life collecting evidence um, to the effect that that is true, and that is what causes the the woundedness that we're going to talk about today.
1: Well, another way to to just in in just a minute describe root sin is that the sin of pride is an ungodly self-reliance, is ungodly self-reliance. The sin of vanity is an ungodly reliance on the opinion of others. And sensuality is the ungodly reliance on comfort. So that's just a real nutshell kind of way to kind of break those down. So let's talk, like you said, we were just going very briefly, folks, over the the root sin because uh, we have our first, uh, our first show was m- most delves into much more detail on that one. So be sure that you can go back to the Red Sea Roundup page and, and find those podcasts to get caught up a little bit more if you're just joining us for the first time today or you're not familiar with root sin. But we're going to talk about w- why we decided this was such a beneficial thing to know. So Kind of our personal experiences, Miranda, I, won't, I don't want to really speak for you, As but for me, it was kind of like, you know, you you come to know yourself. I mean, I had a, a huge desire to serve Christ with my whole heart. And I it just I was like, but how? I just don't know how. And, and the barrier is sin. I mean, the barrier truly is sin. And so when I was introduced to these principles and began to see how I was... Um, working or reacting from a place of hurt really or from that woundedness and trying to to really get back to the beginnings of where is that coming from and why do I behave the way I behave and I really want to change and improve and uh, so these tools were really great in learning this and starting to move on from that
2: yes absolutely i mean it was has been absolutely key in terms of self awareness um, at a spiritual um, level, mental, you know, cognitive level, emotional level. And um, I don't know that without these tools, I would have had the growth that I was blessed enough to have. And mm-hmm. so, of course, there's still a journey, much more to go forward. But self-awareness is key. And um, one of the things that research says is that others know us better than we know ourselves. And so we have a tendency to think, no, I'm a very reflective or self-aware person or introspective but most of the time, there are quite a few blind spots that we have. Even more so when it comes to ourselves so than when it comes to others. And others know as well because they can see the actions um, right, that, yeah. that ensue from whatever is going on inside. And so, this is just one way to gather and, and be able to gain that deep insight. And and you know, it changes everything and changes how you interact with the world. It changes how you confess. Um, it changes where you you know give yourself a little bit of grace um, when things don't go well. And where you challenge yourself to growth and say, you know, this has got to change. This has got to be better. Mm -hmm, It sounds
0: sounds like that research confirms the truth of what our Lord said when he talked about seeing the beam in somebody else's eye. But you can't see the splinter in someone else's eye, but you can't see the beam in your own your own eye. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly. That's like every now and then it happens just this week. It's always kind of dangerous. But I asked my husband. So, Paul. What virtue do you think I need to work on this? You know, what, what do you see that I need to work on? It's a dangerous question, but um, to which he was very kind. Did he say, let response. me count the ways? <laughs> 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 he was very kind in his response, for sure. Uh, but I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, um, if we are very honest with ourselves, our spouses oftentimes can really um, say, but you know, that's one reason some of us and or a lot of us enjoy to have a spiritual guidance, um, spiritual mentorship from time to time, because there's a lot of insight that they can give you and, and point you. It's just, you know, it's just a barometer, um, or a compass rather to point you in the right direction. Um, which was a part of my journey as well is spiritual guidance to, to kind of start to unpack some of those things. Cause we do, we have blinders on.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think um, as time progresses, it becomes more and more difficult to be able to spend time developing that type of self-awareness. And you see it all the time. You go to a doctor's office or even at a stoplight. And if somebody has even, you know, half a second of silence, you know, they pull out their phone because it's so scary to just be alone with your thoughts. Like, oh my gosh, what would I do if I'm just alone with myself for a minute? And so we just don't give ourselves that opportunity to think and introspect mm. anymore. And so this is even more important and critical um, at this time.
1: And I find I find that's a very fearful thing because I uh, just reflecting, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. But the first time I went to a silent retreat, so it was an Ignatian silent retreat, the very first time, the vo- I was scared to death. I was so frightened to go, and I don't know, I don't know why. Now I thought, you know, I don't. I, of course there's that little nasty voice in your ear going, You don't belong here. You know, these are holy women. You're not holy, so you need to not be here and that then, that is
0: not what my voice in my head sounds like at all. No. <laughs> my, mine sounds totally different. What does your sound like? It's more like a grumpy, you know Curmudgeon. angry curmudgeony <laughs> voice. You
1: have a boy voice. I have a girl voice. no I really did I was so fearful but one of the main reasons at the bottom of that fear is I thought that Christ was going to reveal to me my wretchedness all at once and I was so fearful of that but what I found was he was like wait 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 there's time enough for that right now you need to let me love you let me love you fall in love deeper with me and we'll get to that we'll get to and that's truly been the journey of silence too, and and I love trying to always be more quiet during Lent too, um, because what do they say? You can't learn. You can. What the Holy Spirit works in the school of silence. Right. There's a, Matthew there's Kelly. A, yes, yes, Matthew Kelly. Exactly. Well, we want to talk about how our personal journeys went from okay. So, Marren and I had really studied root sin, been working on our root sin, and counteracting virtues. So if you we we go into a lot of that um, other times too, but there's a lot of counteracting virtues that we work on as as related to our root sin. Um, but we worked on that for many many years and it made it a lot of progress. And, and I I speak for myself to say that when I started um, delving deeper into unbound and be healed um, to get behind why we act the way we act, so that woundedness. Um, the root sin tendency was just again kind of like the, an arrow pointing to exactly where I needed to go do some work to heal. Um, what was your experience? I mean, did you get to a certain point as well where you thought, oh, "Okay, I've taken this pretty far, but it seems like there's something more that I can do"?
2: Yes. Well, it's actually interesting that um, you say that because we have been, you know, exploring um, this for quite a bit some time. And I think I've just developed some new understandings just from personal experience um, last summer and just, you know, different things coming together that I'm kind of understanding it even at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll be sharing some of that today. Um, But it's a a constant call to to growth and to just openness. And with the intent of, um, yes, we benefit from this work, but ultimately the intent is to help others and so Mm -hmm. allow ourselves to experience this, to experiment with things. Um, with the intent of sharing it um, with others. So that's that's what I feel, that this is the purpose for this work.
1: Okay. And so let's start with Family of Origin. Can you believe we only have about 20 minutes left?
2: Mm. Yes, we'll have to get as much in as we yes, can. Yes, <laughs> we can.
1: So let's go ahead. go ahead and start Family of Origin and how important that is.
2: Okay. And you're really good on that topic, so I'll start it off and then turn it over to you. Um, one of the things that um, is important to note, and for the uh, roots and tendencies, we do have a um, worksheet that we have, so that people can identify theirs. Is that is that something we could post that people could have access to if they sure, want to? Sure, sure. Okay, so so we'll do that for you if you're curious about you know whether your roots and tendency is pride, vanity, or sens- sensuality. This will give you some basic foundations. Place and, to start. Place to start. Um, in terms of root uh, family of origin. Um, definitely what happens in our early experiences are the things that impact us um, all through adulthood. And if you are interested in doing some self-awareness work there, there is a website. If you just uh, do a search for the term um, adverse childhood experiences, um, there is a lot of research on that. And there's a way for you to use an inventory to find out, you know, at what level are your adverse childhood experiences Mm-hmm. Are it is not an easy assessment to take, so you know just kind of go prepare gently yourself. into that and prepare.
1: Well, in, let me just do the, kind of a, a not just a what is it called? You warn people ahead of time, <laughs> but this is not easy fun work. This is like Joan of Arc in the battlefield, having being shot at by arrows. I'm sure it was. Back then, yes. <laughs> I'm looking at the whole story <laughs> and to confirm that um, it is. The, it's the nasty, dirty work. And I think at some point you have to go there, folks. Mm-hmm. Are you sincere in your desire to grow closer to Christ? Well, you got to get in and do the dirty hard work and that's what the root sin work is i've I actually been encouraged not to use the word root sin and things like this because it would scare too many people away and i'm like no i want to use the word root sin because i want people who are hungry to be better who can acknowledge yes i have this part of me that's broken i want to find out about it and i want to push through it so family of origin though i want to say real quick on that is It's been our experience in doing conferences and writing and things like this that even the people with the best, most beautiful, amazing um, experiences in childhood still walk away with some woundedness. And I have an example from just my own life and my own children. I don't know if she was really wounded from it, but. I saw how this happens because you think, well, how is that possible? If it's really great, da, 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 da. so there was this one moment I had with one of my daughters, younger daughter, who needed to be corrected for bad behavior. But given her temperament, which has a prone, a little, you know, desire of human respect, a little vanity there, right? She, that's what she, her temperament is. So I, as a parent, rightfully wanted to correct her and did correct her on this and was stern her little feminine heart with her temperament prone to vanity is hearing mom doesn't really love me or appreciate me totally a lie she's buying a lie at that point i was like don't buy that lie you this was necessary but she's thinking she's kind of worthless and cuz she's doing stuff wrong so if she's wrong she's bad right and she starts to internalize that lie And so you can see that sometimes on our, since we've been doing this, I can see that on my kids' face. It's been so valuable raising teenagers to be able to say when they start to buy that, don't buy that lie. they treat me so badly. I said, baby, it's not about you. It's about them, right? But that's so hard to separate that in the teenage years. So family of origin, very important. And then then I've heard seen and heard so much trauma that can go on family of origin. And then I've seen the opposite where people like, yeah, no, mine was perfect, you know, and that kind of thing. But at some point, we buy some lies.
2: Right, right. And it's, you know, it's very important because you could have a group of siblings, you know, being raised in the same home, and they will have different perspectives. You know, just based on their personality and how they see and sure. temperaments and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so critical to do that that piece and seeing what lie might have been purchased there, um, that you carry on. And it's it's important to note. And there's been some trends, uh, recently that will help us have a greater understanding of this. And you probably heard of the whole, you know, the recording that was, you know had poor quality and people were hearing the word, the word Laurel and others were hearing <laughs> yeah, Yanni. That was crazy. Yes, and you could be in the same room with your whole family and we're listening to it and it's like, what do you mean? How do you hear Yanny? And, um, and then the one with the dress, you know, whether the dress online was blue or black or something like that. And and people, and these are our ears and our eyes that are looking and hearing, you know, the, the same very thing. same thing. And yet it filters in in so many ways. So can you imagine... When we're filtering filtering life, through our perspective, through our values, through our you know desires, through our personality, our talents, all of those things. Then it's it's just amazing that we ever even come to the same conclusion, <laughs> ever. You know, because it's yeah, there's a lot of diversity that goes in there. That, every every person's a world,
1: right? And that reminds me of, of this happens all at home and also in the working world. You know, somewhere between my lips and her ears, it really changed. Right. <laughs> same thing was said. You know, one person's intent with love and kindness and goodness and then can still be scrambled and turned around in something else completely different. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just part of being, um, being human.
2: Right. Right.
1: So we want to go ahead and start talking about how root sin points to woundedness. Um, I, I would say with mine, I I realized, um, at the end of the day, my greatest one, um, it started out with uh, human respect. So I was like, Desiring um, approval and appreciation from some of my closest friends and colleagues and things like that um, to the point where I wasn't paying that close attention to my family unit. And that's when I started to realize something was off. And again, the vanity was an inordinate um, relying on the opinion of others, you know, ungodly. So much so. So you can see how that's so sinful because so I was looking at people for what I should be looking at to God. And so my, my practice has been since that time, eight years ago, okay, Lord, what is it you want? Like turning my face literally up to heaven to say, let me only desire what you want, you know, and realizing that oftentimes their opinions it's just their opinions and they're not thinking about me or they could care less. I'm probably thinking about their own self. Right. But so that's a really, that's how I kind of started. So, okay. So I went from, oh, uh, then now I have this desire for human respect. Well, what's behind that? So somewhere along the line, I bought a lie that I really wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy of attention and I wasn't worthy of love. And that was, that's just those lies that came in when I was young. I can remember, certain experiences. And if you've listened to the show before, I think it, the last show I even mentioned what that was. So let's just go ahead and kind of fast forward. It. So okay. I I knew I was walking around with this woundedness lie about, um, abandonment. I felt really abandoned and that's what belt uh, bought the lie. Not, not worthy, not appreciate, not even appreciate it. Cause I didn't care about that. I just wanted to be noticed, you know? And so that's when I started behaving differently. Um, But it wasn't until I started doing lots more prayer and taking it to Christ with some of the tools of Unbound and Be Healed, um, thanks be to God for these ministries, that I was able to start to pinpoint um, the origin of when I first started to buy that lie. So... Yeah, you know, I, I thought, well, when did you first, when's the first memory? What's the? And for me, the memory wasn't entirely a painful one. It was a very innocuous kind of memory with my mother and I. Um, but I was a little kid, and she was just reading a book and not paying attention to me, and I bought the lie at that point. That's not a big deal. I look at it as a parent and think, holy moly, you know. Um, so then what did I do? So I went... Then and started asking for healing in that moment, and started using imaginative prayer.
2: Right, right, yes. And the way that these signs manifest themselves is if individuals, and the way I talk about it, um, whether it's to others I'm interacting with or in a coaching experience, is you know what are the things that come up that keep you small, that keep you from being who it is that you really want to be and who you were designed to be, um, when you're about to step into something that's challenging or that is a goal, for example what are the, the words that you hear, the constant, you know, chatter in the mind that wants to keep you small in the way that Bob Schutz defines these um, as seven, seven areas that individuals may feel abandoned. Um, they may feel fear, powerlessness, hopelessness, confusion, rejection, or shame. And so the, the lies come along that ensue from that woundedness usually manifest themselves in those type of um, manifestations. And that people have to deal with. And unfortunately, we spend time collecting evidence of, yes, that is true, um, you know, to validate the shame or that's true to continue to add to the confusion instead of hitting the pause button and saying, you know, what is the truth here mm. and, and where, why am I interpreting and do I have to carry this through? Um, all through my life.
1: Right. So, we, I, you know, we only have about 10 minutes left in the show, so I want to really let our, our listeners have some, to feel like they have some tools. Uh, so, l- let me just kind of outline the, uh, linearly how we've come to root sin, into, into healing. So, it's easier to identify how we are sinning. We can take that then to confession, which is hugely, hugely important in this whole process. Regular confession. Uh, so, you start to know yourself better and you're able to go there. Like I always say, Christ is always a gentleman. He won't take you there faster than you're ready to go. And so you start to go there and start to unpack some of these things. And imaginative prayer has been one of the single most healing things I've done. So do you want to talk about that before?
2: No, let's go. Yeah, back. Okay, go ahead. let's go. Yes, and then we'll okay. go into the other tools I could use.
1: Imaginative prayer, I really learned from Dr. Bob Schutz and his work with the Be Healed, which is going to be a theme coming throughout the rest of the year. We're going to have them just around the corner here in February. Um, but imaginative prayer is going back into those difficult situations and and putting yourself there in prayer and asking Christ, where are you, Lord? Where are you? And the first time we started talking about this, Miranda, you told a beautiful story about how since Christ is outside of space and time. Do mm-hmm. you
2: remember that? Yes. Yes.
1: Can you repeat it? <laughs>
2: I probably can't, Uh, but yes, he he is. And so um, this has something to do with quantum physics. There was an article that I found that whatever happens, that the past can impact the future. And so if we do things um, in our past, then it can impact the outcomes that we have in our future. And so an example of that would be when you think about that period of time whenever you felt and you bought that wound or that lie that led to the woundedness, Inviting Jesus into that moment um, and actually physically seeing yourself there. What happened? What were you feeling? What were you thinking? You know, use all the senses. You know, was there a smell there? Um, what what was the temperature? Everything that you can use to fully engage your mind and inviting Jesus into that moment um, and having Jesus speak to you, you know, words of healing, mm. of truth, or, or even having yourself as your adult version going back and talking to that has also been powerful with Jesus at your hand, mm. and um, and so therefore you begin to heal that experience of the past, and it begins to impact your future. So we can't go into the past literally, but in this way we can, and it definitely does impact um, because our brain becomes right. rewired. And our brain has plasticity, and it's able to do that. So, so that's one way.
1: Right. I, I mean, I, I can just speak from personal experience, and that's why we feel so passionate about this topic, is when I did this to so that one simple little scene, it took me a while. I had to keep visiting it. And I encourage people, usually the more traumatic it is, the longer it may take you to actually find Christ in the scene. For me, it took me about three or four trips in prayer over a couple of months' time before I was able to to see Christ. And it was changing perspective. But when I asked him, where were you? And he told me, I'm with you always. I'm with you right here. I would say that I felt like a release about 50% of my anxiety and my tension and my woundedness, like just immediately, um, happened just really on a deep level. I felt a sense of healing at that moment. And I want to say that, um, One of the easier ways to explain it that that I kind of use on a regular basis is because he's outside of space and time, because Christ is, he does heal your memories, okay? He can heal your memories, but you got to invite him into it.
2: Right. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's imaginative prayer. Do you want to say more about imaginative prayer before we try to go through some more of the tools?
2: I mean, if people are having trouble, you know, like finding Christ in that moment, um, because it could be a traumatic experience, just the the adult you going in to speak to the child you um, is a good start, mm-hmm. and then and then begin to then explore, you know, where is Jesus in this? Some people will be able to take him right in, some will not, but most people will be able to do the adult version of themselves mm-hmm. speaking to that child version of themselves. So. so,
1: Miranda, what do we say? I get this question sometimes and don't have a great answer. So, mm-hmm. this is something for us more to ponder is when people say, "Well." I don't have any bad memories.
2: Well, they're I guess if they feel that their life is working out well and they've <laughs> examined, you know, their roots and tendency and it's not having adverse manifestations, then, you know, fine, keep going. And if God if God wants to reveal something, He will. Just ask true, him to do true. so. There you go. But you don't have to go digging. Um, just, just to find, but just that right. self awareness, right? Yes,
1: that's, that's good because that's the the only one. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure what to say because right. that's just not my experience. I mean, I have plenty of
2: fodder for. If it's not broke, memories. don't fix it, you know? right? Right. <laughs> and and just you know, pray that if there's something I'm supposed to see, that God will allow me to see that.
1: Okay. Well, we still have some more healing yes. tools to talk about in the next
2: f- four and a half minutes. Okay. And these will be quick, and this might be a little bit going rogue, um, but. Um, Just, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as I've been, you know, contemplating this topic, and especially since I went through some personal experiences uh, last summer that kind of opened this up even more, one of the things that I'm realizing is that we have to take our humanity into consideration and so I was listening to a podcast um, by Father Barron, Word on Fire. And so he does like 14 minutes, 15 minutes uh, gospel reflections. And he talked about how we have to honor our humanity. And some, you know, there's some, Amen. yes, and some individuals that feel like, no, it's all about our spirituality, Mm-mm. but no, we're integrated human beings. And so when you are doing this work, it's important to um, take into consideration that you, you're basically training for life. And that's kind of how I have began to see the world is that we are training for this journey, and so, or or even preparing for battle at times, and that's what it can feel like at most times. And so if you're training for life, if you're training for your journey, if you're preparing for battle, then what are some of the things that you do? You don't go in unprepared. Um, You don't go in without having a good regimen that's going to support your work. And that's the piece that I'm seeing that really benefited me during that time. And when I'm doing work with my clients, um, it's a piece that is really making a difference as well. And so here are some simple tools um, that may sound very very simple but will begin to help for that training and preparation. Um, Just hydration. You know in the morning I've talked to people who reach for a cup of coffee first thing and they've dehydrated all overnight and then there's coffee and then there's maybe more coffee that follows and there's never water and the brain needs water to be able to function and flourish. So just that practice of drinking water right away first thing in the morning before you reach for your coffee will make a difference on how your body functions. Um, Nutrition, you know, is another key that's important if we're getting really practical here. And here I just talk about foods that feed the brain. And so making sure that you get the fats that are really good, like avocados and nuts and um, some fish oils, you know, for example, you know, salmon, anything that has those high omegas. Um, Because your brain is going to function much better. And all the research supports, in terms of anxiety and depression and all of that, that these things, you know, make a difference. And so if we really want that healing to happen, we've got to prepare our minds to be able to do that reprocessing in our brains and that, you know, all those reconnections happening.
1: And breathing heavy, as in exercise builds new neurons. I learned that recently. I was like, okay, so I got to breathe heavy every single day. So I try and go for a jog or a sprint or just something so I can get some new neurons because I need
2: them. Absolutely, and again, the, all the evidence is conclusive um, in terms of exercise um, is the solution for just about everything in terms of in neurological diseases, you know, high blood pressure, cancers. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so, it's amazing that we don't embrace that. And so, movement, you know, is definitely important, and that is going to lead to a better state where you could deal with depression and anxiety and things like that. Sleep, um, critical, critical, and. Um, it's important to know kind of what your patterns are and kind of look at them in terms of, um, you know, how many sleep cycles you need to get in during the week to function well. Um, but when things are not going well for me and I feel like I'm getting into that negative space and I feel like I don't have the energy to get out of it, I just go take a nap or I call it an early day. Mm. And then I wake up and it's like nothing, you know, like that. has a resolved. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely good, good. reboot. And so we don't take advantage of it. And sometimes 15 minutes. You know, as you're struggling, as your mind is starting to go into that negative space, um, just a 15-minute nap, and um, will do wonders um, in terms of that. Um, Powering down for sleep. So, if you are on the screen, if you've got lights on or whatever um, before you go to bed, then that's going to impact the quality of your sleep, and you can your brain cannot function. So, four days of sleeping like less than four hours will show evidence of diabetes type two in Mm. your blood. And so it is definitely having implications. And then we expect our minds to be sharp and positive and all of this. And so that's obviously not going to happen if we're not. You hear that moms?
1: Yes, (laughs) absolutely.
2: Very important. And then just not entertaining the negativity, you know, when it comes in those lies of, I'm this or that, or just giving it back. And sometimes just saying, no, Jesus has this. Um, Sometimes when that negativity comes into my life, Um, I'll often just say, you know, Jesus does the heavy lifting in my life, so I'm not even going to entertain this Um, and and just uh, let that go. And then the trying to reframe, you know, when something happens, what is one way to look at this? What is another? And when I'm coaching, I usually challenge people to like they're holding a cube. Let's look at each face and what is one way to look at it and by the time they get to the third fourth or fifth they're seeing things in a very different way that's awesome and so and of course yeah. uh, you can't do it without prayer prayer you know? so constant prayer prayer and the
1: sacraments folks yeah, I mean, I want to kind of just wrap up this the show in general, Miranda, and say thank you, first of all, for coming. And yes. I know we're so passionate about this topic because we want people to be healed and to live their best life and know their beloved child of God. And why is that? Because Christ needs soldiers on the ground to bring more people to him. And we believe that this is one of just one way, one avenue to reduce sin in your life so that you can go and spread more love in the world. So as sin reduces in your life, your capacity for love increases. So thank you, Miranda, for joining us. Thank you. And until next time, I just pray that you will go and love your neighbor.